Welcome to In Search of the Crystal Skull, an epic escapade into the painfully average. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And today we are going to talk about Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So, um, yeah, I, I've not seen this movie in a long time. So, uh, we've just come off a refresher, pretty much, just watching this again. And I can believe we've got Jim Broadbent in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie, to be quite honest. I mean, there's Rupert Grint, there's James McAvoy, there's Tilda Swinton, there's Liam Neeson. There's so many people in this movie. Yeah, it's just like, it's so crazy, like, just the amount of people that are in it. And uh, it's a, mind you, like, I feel like Narnia is kind of like, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like it's one of those movies that's lost in the shuffle like uh, so for example like it's uh, you know we have lord of the rings we have like a uh, harry potter we have like a uh, various other kind of like fantasy kind of like you know uh, other other movies that are just out there and uh, i feel like you know narnia well i believe it does have its fans and i do believe that i don't feel i feel like i never really got into it all that much like i've only ever seen the first movie i've never seen any of the others right now i'm actually curious now regarding about the other adaptations in the books i mean how popular was narnia over there oh oh yeah yeah, it was popular. I mean, like, it was, uh, it was, there was stage productions, there was the books, there was, uh, there was even the cartoon show. I don't know if any of you are familiar really? with that. Really? There was a yeah, cartoon I'm show? I'm pretty sure there was a car, there was a cartoon show with Narnia, but, uh, you know what, it, 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 it's annoying because I've been trying to Google it for ages, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere, I, I don't know if it was either, like, you know, a series of VHS tapes, or if it was, like, you know, it had been, been on TV, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, um, I mean, it's kind of interesting looking back on Narnia, because here in America, if you were to talk about, like, oh, these are the popular book series, I mean, I never rarely even hear people talking about Narnia. I mean, when I was a kid, people talk about Goosebumps, people talked about Babysitter's Club, people talked about, like, the uh, would Judy... you Would you believe it? I just found it. Uh, oh, <laughs> no so there, there was A Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which uh, was uh, made in 1979, so that was, like, only, like, two years after The Hobbit was made. By, 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 wow. By Franken Bass. So, well, yeah, but, uh, um, yeah, again, like, uh, I, I sort of, like, remember, you know, that particular movie, but uh, i got to be honest, like, uh, they went all out on uh, this 2004 version of Narnia, like, it yeah. was, uh, I mean, like, you, you, also, one thing I really liked about it was, uh, you know, just the whole presentation of it, and, like, it's so, I would say, subtle, like, I mean, you, you are, they, they do something very clever here, where it's like, you know, where they are, where they're filming, like, the whole of Narnia, like, this could be anywhere, basically, in the country, pretty much with just a bit of snow and mm -hmm. uh, but you know like the, the the way that they introduce Narnia into it and also like you have all the uh, the mystical characters in there as well it's very clever it's like it's uh, you know um it makes you believe that every step of the way you're actually are in Narnia yeah and uh, yeah I mean, it gets a bit more epic as we get into the second and third act, but I mean, like, in the, in the, in the, in, in the first instance, like, you know, you truly believe that you're there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's actually interesting when going back into, like, uh, once again, like we've been doing throughout this retrospective, we've been looking at what the fantasy genre was like during the particular decade. And in the 2000s, it was probably the biggest it had ever been. Yeah. We're talking about, like, Lord of the Rings came out in 2000 and, what was it, like, 2001, I think Something it was? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was 2001 that Lord of the Rings came out, same year as 
Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the books of Harry Potter was the one that kind of like brought it into the mainstream of popularity because it was 1997 that the first book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone came out. Then there it came into America one year later and it just blew up. Yeah, I, I think um, the, with uh, the 2000 movies, I think we can only say that, you know, a lot of CGI was used, I think, at that particular yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I the, the CGI was definitely more abundant in like towards the 80s and 90s. I mean, we saw this with like Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible and even with like some certain scenes in Forrest Gump and stuff like that. But the 2000s, it was just a major CGI fest. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, like, uh, this was also the decade where we got the new start. Well, I think we got the, was it the prequels? That yes, we, got, we did, yeah, we did yeah. get the prequels. Uh, the prequels came out, let's see, it was 99 that uh, Phantom Menace came out, 2000 and two or three that was when clone wars was out yeah and just so uh so i think it was like at the time where you know computers could do could do all this stuff for you not to say that you know we had, we had toy story for goodness sake so of course you know obviously we knew that the, the technology was there you know back all the way from about 1994 but uh, i mean like in regards to um you know how far it could potentially go the fact that they do such an incredible job with uh mixing the the the, gra the effects with uh you know the, the the real life characters that are there in front of you it, it's it's almost it's inside at times it's almost seamless but then there's a uh, there's other times where it's kind of like you know given that we have like you know much better technology now like you can obviously like there's some kind of like you know yeah, yeah exactly yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, the uncanny valley does kind of like you know it does fall a little bit, it, it yeah. does when looking back on it especially, especially when we get to the polar bear scene yeah. <laughs> we'll get there we'll get yeah. there but yeah i just want to quickly suffice to say that um out of all of the adaptations of the fantasy books that we have read throughout this retrospective hands down this is the best one exactly and so, um, so basically, the story is you know if you if you're familiar with the, the line of the witch in the wardrobe, it's basically it's uh, I once again a pretty much an abridged version of the story. And th this is something I kind of like you know a theme that we kind of develop throughout actually, the entire. Actually, actually, babe, it's the complete opposite. Is it really? Oh yeah. Like I remember reading the books a long time ago when these movies were becoming really really popular, and also when I saw my friend James, aka Heimitude, if you remember, he was in the Roald Dahl retrospective with us talking about. Tom and Jerry, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and Roald Dahl's The Witches, he did a um, movie of the Narnia books, uh, comparing the books to the movies, alongside with Face Nelson, and they talked about how C.S. Lewis was, like, really quick in getting to the point, while in the movie, it was actually, they were taking a lot of time with it. They were actually able to develop more. Like, if All you right. want to read the first chapter, it's like, okay, we introduced the Pem the Pemvideli children, and uh, then we, uh, and then, like, in the next chapter, they're in Narnia. Like that. Oh, I just remember like there'd be more i mean a bit more detail in the books i mean like uh, it's been a while since i, I gotta be honest it's been, it's been the 90s since i last read them so maybe i might, might i mean have, there are some details in some things but for the most part when it comes to like the battle scenes mm. i mean you only have like maybe some illustrations and then like maybe two pages and that was it as opposed to like in the movie in which it was like 10 minutes worth of yeah fighting. but i mean like uh, you know for, for all these movies like the battle scenes you know i, I probably imagine that they stretch them out for the movie you know, for the sake of the movie because you know that's what everyone comes to see you know like it's like it's a you know in regards to you know you got you got really describe war all that well in books can you like yeah you know, i mean like, not, yeah, not yeah. really but yeah. for the most part um but, you know, they, na they nailed the scenes I yeah they, they nailed the it. scenes perfectly but for the most part it's pretty much the same uh you know unlike lord of the rings or the hobbit i mean narnia books are pretty short 
You know, mm. it, because to hear, remember that this is a part of a series. It's seven books in total, with Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe being the second in the book. Okay. So, yeah, you basically have that. And um, remember, this is just like a buildup towards like a major storyline that continues on. And unlike in, say, like maybe Harry Potter, the all the books do not focus on the um, the children. It focuses on other characters in Narnia, and then they would bring up the ch- you know the children every once in a while. Either they're already kings or queens, or they they weren't introduced yet because you know they weren't even shown in Narnia. In fact, the first book, The Magician's Nephew, is about the professor character when he was younger, and he stumbled upon the wardrobe the first time. Yeah. So that's what, and even if you didn't even see uh, or even read, um, you know, Magician's Nephew, and then you just jump into Narnia. I think that the movie does a really good job of like introducing it to you without getting completely lost. Yeah, I mean, like again, like Narnia is not like my strongest point. So like uh, the only book I've ever read was Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. But that was, yeah. uh, that's the only one. I've uh, read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I've read The Horse's Boy, and I think I read last uh, a few bits and pieces of like the last book. Uh, which, by the way, the ending sucks. Well, but that's beside the point. Anyway, but yes, let's talk about C.S. Lewis, the actual author of these books. So it's actually a really fascinating history about his life, where he went from, uh, you know, a person who was an atheist for twenty years, and then he rediscovered Jesus, and he became a really well-known Christian author, writing stuff such as the Screw Tape Letters and Mere Christianity, and then the Narnia books is basically combining Christian elements with a little bit of fantasy in it to give it a much more easier way for children to read it and um, I guess around what we said before when the Harry Potter books became really really popular and then Lord of the Rings had its first adaptation fantasy next to superheroes was like the thing to make a movie out of that was the way that you could make a quick buck and so New Line Cinema had Lord of the Rings Warner Brothers had Harry Potter and now finally after teasing it for all this retrospective we're finally going to be talking about Disney yeah and by the way if, yeah if, this is actually one thing I wanted to mention that so out of all the movies that we've so if anyone's asking is it on Disney Plus yes, yes it's yes, on it, Disney it, yes, Plus yes it is yes it is on <laughs> Disney Plus all three movies are on Disney Plus so you can go check it out and so, yeah, I think that with the yeah. interest of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, I think it's really interesting about how they were able to do it because, I mean, this came out in 2004. So the Lord of the Rings trilogy was already done. You know, the uh, Lord, um, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King had came out a year prior and that movie won an Oscar. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire came out, I think, in 2004 as well. I mean, the book version uh, was already out by that point. But I think around the movies... I think it might have been either that or Prisoner of Azkaban that came out in 2004. So, yeah, I think it was Prisoner of Azkaban. The movie came out in 2004 because that's when they changed from Christopher uh, Chris Columbus over to uh, a, a series of, like, directors that will be changing in and out, and that one would have been Alfonso Curon. So, yeah, this was when the fantasy craze became huge. Like, everybody wanted to do a fantasy film, and you saw a whole bunch of them. You had, like, um, Bridges of Terabithia. You had, like... Um, you know, uh, various others that try to like cash in on the popularity. And Narnia, unfortunately, is like third place. You have Lord of the Rings first, Harry Potter second, and then you have Narnia third. And it's a shame because it's great. 
Yeah, it's just, I think with Narnia, I think the thing I would say about it is that, uh, again, like I said before, like, I think it was caught in between, like, you know, the the buzz of, like, other, you know, epics that were out there at the time. I don't think it had a chance to stand out, really. I mean, like, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are, like, going to be rediscovering this on Disney+. Plus. On top of that as well, like, the uh, the first movie did really well, by the way. Like, oh, it did it, yeah, wonderfully it, it did well. well. The, you know, Prince Caspian, not so much. Yeah, no. I mean, here's the thing about Prince Caspian, and uh, again, this has been of it's been a long time since I've seen it. So yeah, Prince Caspian, it definitely delves more into like the action more than again, the philosophical Christian themes that are all over this. So they definitely try to play it to a mainstream audience. And a lot of people who are huge fans of the book hated it. And then it just kind of went to a spiraling downward slump when Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out in 2010. And at that point, fantasy films were done. Because guess what? Two years prior, the first Twilight movie came out. And around <laughs> that same time, the Hunger Games book came out as well. And then the young the young adult genre became really, really popular. I was going to say, and uh, after the, uh, the, as the Twilight so basically hit the scene, basically every other love story basically trumped it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, and I guess it didn't help much that a year after Do- Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the first Avengers movie came out. So that was when the Marvel Cinematic Universe really started picking up steam. So yeah, Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out around the time in which when you had two new genres, well, I mean, technically one genre became even more mainstream, and then another one took over, which was the young adult um, genre with like Hunger Games and then Twilight and then a whole bunch of others. So yeah, unfortunately, Narnia never stood a chance. And, And don't forget that Disney, this was not the only franchise they were working with at the time. Around the 2000s, there was Pirates of the Caribbean, there was National Treasure, so it wasn't like they were short on things. Mm-hmm. I'm just, uh, you know, um, one of the things I, I wanted to uh, maybe explore with, uh, you know, Chronicles and Narnia is that, so I'm just looking through the cast now, like, I'm just thinking, is anyone actually, you know, from that movie actually, you know, besides obviously, besides, you know, the big names, like, did any of the kids actually go on to like, do anything else after I think, that? I don't think so, because I haven't seen them in a lot of other films after this. I think, I mean, to be fair, you know, these are a lot of, like, British actors, and I don't know a lot of the TV shows or movies that they would have been a part of, but mm. I haven't really seen them outside of I have Narnia. to say when I'm when I'm clicking through them and you know when you're going through like a Wikipedia articles and like you said citation needed it's kind of like you know it's kind of yeah the fact that they're not being all that much talked about like it kind of gives it an example of like uh, you know where where they basically went after yeah that. I mean it follows the classic example of like you know these are child actors and then after a while they started to wanted to live normal lives so maybe as soon as they were done with Narnia they probably wanted to just go to school and live off normal lives and well let me give me an acting coach apparently going to this so uh uh, yeah, maybe that's probably the reason why. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess so. I mean, it's pretty much like the Roald Dahl retrospective all over again, in which, like, other than, say, Freddie Highmore as Charlie and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, pretty much every single kid didn't do anything outside of the movie that they're known for. Peter mm. Ostrom went off to be a veterinarian, and uh, Paul Terry went off to be a mathematician at a major university, and I don't know about the kid who played as Luke and the Witches. I mean, he just disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, I just think, I think it seems like child accidents he's having a long sell-by date, which is quite, quite funny, really. So, like, uh, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't think Justin Timberlake kind of counts, does he? Because he was in the because he was, in the, he was in the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, different, that, that's different, though. Yeah, yeah, that's different. But, so. it, it, I mean, like, looking into, like, what um, the 
the format was in terms of like films. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Disney just came in just a tad bit too late because yeah. Harry Potter was already in its third adaptation. Lord of the Rings was already done. And it's kind of like similar to uh, when they try to cash in on the popularity of like, hey, we have these TV shows from the Disney Channel. Let's see if we can make them into theatrical movies when they try to cash in on when the Rugrats movie became really popular. And then they try to do Doug's first movie and mm. that fell apart and they only did three movies huh kind of ironic they did three movies of narnia yeah so but so, i mean like going into the story i mean like uh it's not it's the is is the line of the witch in the wardrobe basically so um you have uh, lucy who uh I mean, first of all um i don't know if there was again my, my memory's so fuzzy on the books like i don't know if they actually referenced world war Two. they never opinion. did they never did so that's basically just for the movie i guess you know that they basically were in that and mind you i guess they needed something to kind of like ask well why is it that these kids are all living with his professor i guess yeah maybe that's probably the reason why they need so so they're evacuees uh from um uh, you know the from the from london and uh, they've come over to the countryside in order to live with his professor and uh, so they have this uh straighter housemaid who uh, basically makes them do all these types of rules and everything like that so they're sitting there they're bored they don't know what to do so they decide to play hide and seek uh lucy goes up into uh the uh, highest point of the uh, of, of the house and that's where she discovers the wardrobe yeah and so yeah so like uh um, so she hides in there, but then by doing that, she basically transports herself to Narnia by, yeah. by doing that. So. She, she transfers herself over to Narnia. She's looking around and then she stumbles upon a fawn by the name of Tumnus, mm -hmm. who, um, basically just, they, they click off immediately. They become like really, um, close with each other. They term in terms of like, you know, he shows her around her house and offers her tea and cookies and crumpets and stuff like that and plays music. But in reality, he's doing that so that he can kidnap her and deliver her to the white witch because according to a prophecy two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve are supposed to go into Narnia defeat the white witch and that way winter will be over and peace will reside all over the world yeah so um, actually, I think this bit in the movie is actually you know stretched out a lot longer than from actually it is. the book, and it so is. like because you know they from also I think if I recall from like you know the animated uh, movie that uh, she actually only kind of briefly meant him, and then after that she basically went yeah back. exactly, and that's what I was saying before is that the book is so short because that you know it, things go quickly like you have like one chapter in which like you get to introduce the kids, and then the next chapter they're already in Narnia, so it was like really really fast, but the. Film Filmmakers decided we need to take our time with this because the Lord of the Rings films, they're super long. They are two, three hours, depending if you're watching like the extended director's cut. Harry Potter's the same thing. It is two hours long. Again, extended director's cut. Mm -hmm. So I guess they thought, hey, there's not really much meat in here with these Narnia books. We need to stretch it out because the movie's two hours long. Exactly. And so, but I mean, like, uh, yeah, and also you can kind of tell by like, you know, adding in length and like adding in a bit more epicness. Like, you can tell what they were going for. It's like, you know, we've seen Lord of the Rings, we've seen like all oh, like Harry Potter, we've seen like all these other, you know, epic movies. Like, uh, this this has to be what our, this will be our epic and this will be what we. Exactly. So, them. yeah, we, we, I mean, Disney needed something, especially since if you remember, as we talked about before, the 2000s wasn't exactly a great year for Disney, especially when it came to their animated films. I mean, oh they had 
had their live action movies. They had the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. They had this. And they were remaking a lot of their old movies from the 60s and 70s, like Parent Trap and Freaky Friday and Herbie. Wasn't, 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 yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that the Lindsay Lohan movie? Yep, that, that was all the Lindsay <laughs> Lohan movies. This was back when she was Freak. big in, in her career, yeah. Yeah, wow. Like, uh, so, um, yeah, so Disney wasn't like, in that. It wasn't in the right mode, I guess. Yeah, it was pretty much also. around the 2000s where we were, where they were saying, yeah, you know what? Ten years ago, Disney was the top of when it came to our children's entertainment. We don't need them anymore. We have DreamWorks, who is doing all these pop culture references and being sly and 3D. We have Pixar, who's doing the emotional stories, and it's 3D. We have Blue Sky Studios. They have... Ice Age, hmm. it's 3D. And then we have a whole bunch of other things in between that was trying to rip off Shrek, such as Hoodwinked and Happily Never After. Yeah, I mean, like, once Shrek became a thing, I think everybody else kind of, like, just jumped in pretty I much. I mean, again, 2004, yeah. same year Shrek 2 came out. Exactly. So, uh, but, uh, I mean, going back into uh, into Narnia. So, um, again, I love... The one thing I actually liked about this movie was the cinematography. It I was think great. It was... A, if, uh, at one point, like, uh, I, there was one shot where they were actually on the lake and, they, you know, the, the, can, the camera panned up and the camera panned down and it looked like they basically were running with the characters. And, mm -hmm. like, I thought, this is something I'm pretty... This feels like Star Wars, you know, cinema, cinematography. Mm -hmm. I feel like someone, you know, at least from... Someone, at least, must have either watched the Star Wars movies or, like, you know, had watched... Uh, you know, um, so something along those lines, and thought, you know, that type of like, uh, you know, uh, camera shots and things like that, and like watching the action, like you know, the action is basically where you're gonna where you're gonna get the audience excited. You know, we're watching Aslan, you know, run and run and run. He's like, you know, he's, you know, he's going there, like you know, trying to get to the war, or, like you know, he's trying to, you know, run to save the kids or something mm -hmm. like that. Like you know, like it shows, you know, it, it knows where to excite the you know the, the viewer, mm -hmm. and I think that that I think it was uh, was very good. I, I, think. I think so too. I think yeah. that the cinematography was great I thought that the presentation was great and I also think that the acting was great I mean the four children even though that they didn't really go off and do too much after Narnia I think they all did a fantastic yeah, job yeah by the way like you know the, the character the, the, the girl who plays Lucy like you know I think, I think she was my favorite character like you know amongst the four yeah like you know she was so she was so energetic and like you know she was so like you know she, she played this you know what, what, what is imaginative you know young girl and uh, I think uh, you know it, it, and also that uh, she has this uh, oh so he's a naiveness, but I think she's like this. Uh, this she's what you would expect, uh, you know, a little girl to like, you know, uh, be. And also, she's very polite too, which yeah. I think, you know, I think plays to the time because uh, you know, we're obviously, you know, we're with uh, the war and everything. You know, a lot of kids had a lot of growing up to do during that time. So, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that and kind of she's the only it. one, from what I can see, she's the only one who's kind of still acting because you know she's currently on the Spanish Princess, whom I am familiar with because sometimes my mom and my sister will be watching it. So yeah, I guess that she's the only one who kind of like with her career because the you know the girl who played as Susan I mean you know nowadays from what I understand that she's doing um like She's into like the office now, and I think that um, the other people who like worked on the movie. They well, I, believe, just... I believe the uh, the guy who played Pizza was he's now he's now an acting coach. Oh, okay, yeah, he's an acting coach, so that that does make a lot of sense. And as for the the kid who played as Edmund, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know he's a political advisor. Yeah, well, I mean, like, uh, I think the problem is that Edmund, the, the Edmund character, I think uh, you know you're in a bit of a danger to be like typecasted, like kind of like this, uh, you know, oh hey, you're the kid who like you know you know <laughs> it's a. So turned at the very you know the very beginning of the movie, and then after that, you know, you basically became good. So I think uh, you know, yeah, like uh, Edmund. I think uh, you know. By the way, like uh, you know, uh, but the, the cool thing about Edmund is that you know you basically end up kind of playing you know one of the major hero, do the one of the major heroics of the of the uh, of the movie, 
where you know where he uh, he comes down and like you know smashes the um, you know the the uh, the ice wand mm-hmm. of the witch, but then ends up kind of like getting stouted because of it. So, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I really enjoyed like um, the Christian parallels that are all over this movie. Like, if you were to like look into it, and if you know anything about the Bible, then you can definitely tell that there is a lot of parallels. I mean, obviously, the first thing you notice is that. Two sons of Adam, two sons of Eve, uh, two daughters of Eve. So for those who don't know, Adam and Eve were the first humans who resided on earth after God had created the heavens and the earth after seven, after six days, and then the seventh day he rested. So that's... It's quite interesting that, you know, in Narnia, like, you know, they say uh, two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve. Like, you know, like, like they, it looks like there's been no other humans in this world. And so these are perceived to be like, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, the right. only other two humans that they are aware of exactly yeah exactly so i think that another parallel that a lot of people have pointed out is that aslan who is the lion and who's the true king of narnia he's supposed to be jesus and then the white witch who claims herself to be the ruler of all narnia and has left everything cold has left winter for over um a hundred years but no christmas she's supposed to be satan Mm -hmm. yeah hell truly froze over (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah Yeah, so uh but um so yeah there's a lot of religious, uh, you know, uh, you know, mentions in this movie. Oh, tons! So, yeah, I mean, exactly. I I could probably do uh, like an entire podcast just discussing about it, but you know, we'll be here all day if we do that. Yeah, if we do that. But uh, so, um, I mean, in regards to I mean, we're talking about the character, the characters are delightful. I think. Oh, uh, they, they're, they're great. And, you know, the, oh, the witch is also you know is very intimidating. Oh yeah, Tilda Swinton does a fantastic job. By the way, like she has this kind of like poker face where it's kind of like you really don't know what to expect from her. You don't know if she's gonna be you know you don't know after the first interaction whether she's going to basically be quiet or whether she's going to be angry or whether she's basically going to laugh or whether she's going to you don't know what to expect from her she has like this she just has this kind of stone face that you kind of like you has this very intimidating glare that she has that you don't know what to expect you know, like, and in the first instance, you know, she treats Edmund pretty well. Like, you know, gives her, like, you know, Turkish delight and stuff. Like, uh, and, uh, <laughs> Which, by the way, I mean, the, the first time that you gave, uh, I think it was your aunt who gave me Turkish delight for the first time when we went to go see the Jungle movie together. And I'm like, it's just a piece of candy. And it's like, this Turkish delight is, like, looking nice with the powdered sugar and the fruit. And it's like, where does, where's this Turkish delight? Exactly. Like, uh, yeah. By the way, uh, you know, if, you, if you're inferring that my aunt is a white witch, then I would, I would, <laughs> I would, I would, insa- I would insanely disagree with you. Uh, I, would, I would never say that. Exactly. <laughs> you heard it right here, folks. <laughs> I remember in the books it was saying about that um, the White Witch had put like a spell on the Turkish delight and had kind of like hypnotized Edmund into doing exactly what the White Witch had said. Well, in the movie, it made it look like that Edmund was really greedy and just hated his brothers and sisters and would do anything for him to be king and for them to be the servants. And mm. it was kind of like a nice little buildup because we saw this from the beginning of the movie where the bombs were were attacking um you know london. the word were, were attacking london the germans were attacking london and yeah, by the way to- like if you wish if you read the if you put the subtitles on to, to this like uh, they basically repl- they replaced the german like uh you know subtitles with basically just like you know you know german speaking which yeah. is kind of like, it literally like it just says german speak yeah you know, exactly like, I, I don't like that I, I get it's supposed to be kind of like you know oh well hey here's all i don't know i don't know like why not just put in the subtitles basically what they're saying yeah like yeah. you know uh, here's the town we're we're going to attack it or, um, you know, 
ready on my command or something like that. But exactly, no. yeah. Like, you know, just these. I hate it when, like, they basically just put, like, in, like, you know, in. Uh, I remember when I was watching, like, uh, a video on YouTube and uh, it was, like, a wrestling show and, like, uh, the, 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 the bad guys, obviously, is, like, the foreign German. And, like, instead of, like, you know, putting subtitles in or what they're saying, they basically just put in, like, the words foreign <laughs> in, in brackets. And they're, like, he's like, oh, come on. No, no. no like, don't do that. I, I don't like that. I, I, don't like, I, 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 don't I, like, I wish they'd stop doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically, from. We saw the buildup where Edmund rushed back, even though there there are bombs attacking their home, just so that he can get his dad's picture, so they can be able to take it to them with yeah. in the well, shelter. Well, this is foreshadowing. You know, yes, like, it, it is it's, foreshadowing. It's, yeah, it's all foreshadowing. But also, it's not just foreshadowing just for the sake of foreshadowing. It's like he, the reason why he wants his dad's picture is because his dad's out on the front line in a war somewhere, and he yes. doesn't know who he, he doesn't know where he is, and he doesn't want to forget him. So obviously, he goes in there and gets him. Yeah, you know, much to, much to the annoyance of everybody who's trying to like save, save themselves and being blown up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. then we kind of like follow Edmund's uh, character arc with like, you know, Peter saying like, you know, why don't you grow up and why don't you do as you're told and all that kind of stuff. And he just has like this sour exterior towards him. Mm-hmm. And then when you realize... Well, 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 yeah, at the very beginning of the movie, like all these kids like have their problems. Like, you know, you have Lucy who's probably a bit too naive. You have Susan who is like, uh, you know, too... Um, uh, you know, too, too logical. Too logical. And like, uh, then you have, uh, you know, I guess Peter who's a bit too hard-headed and like, you know, he just takes command and doesn't really kind of like listen to basically what's going on around him. And you have Edmund who's basically just, uh, you know, uh, he just, he, he feels he can't be, he, he feels like nobody trusts him and, uh, you know, and, but doesn't give anyone a reason to do so. Yeah, again, yeah. going into the parallels again, it feels really similar to like the disciples of Christ in which like they all had their little flaws. You know, you had Peter who denied, you had Thomas who doubted, you had Judas who was the traitor. So yeah, every single um, one of them had flaws, but they were able to bring out the best in them because of Jesus, or in this case, because of their journey, because of the gifts that they received, and because of Aslan, they were able to fulfill their prophecy. Again, religion is built into this story. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could even argue that when Edmund betrays, uh, you know, his brothers and sisters for Turkish delight, it's basically the equivalent of when Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Mm -hmm. So, um, we get basically further into Narnia, and so um, we the, all the kids end up in this world, yeah. and uh, but uh, basically the world is starting to kind of fall apart even more because uh, 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 Titmus is it? Yeah, M- Mr. Tomnus. So Tomnus, sorry, I keep remembering. I keep remembering. Uh, so Tomnus uh, ends up uh, you know getting you know captured by the White Witch and uh, ends up getting like you know you know frozen. And the uh, reason why is because Edmund had told the White Witch, Witch that oh my sister you know she's with Mr. Tomnus over at this little home that's right over there by the forest mm-hmm. and. You know, basically everything that um, the White Witch knows is because of Edmund. Exactly. So um, th- that kind of like keeps the story going along, and Edmund's in constant peril because of this. And uh, so it's, it's uh, that's one thing. Like you know, you would think like, some, you know, on the third, att- you know, on the third try, like he would learn to keep his mouth shut. But, yeah, uh, but I think the t- the tipping point was when he saw the fox being petrified. Exactly. So, um, in, within this, then, so, um, we, we get to the point where, um, they have to, they have to, you know, they have to do something, and then, uh, they end up meeting this beaver. And, yeah, they, they uh, meet yeah. up with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. Yeah, and, uh, so, um, by the way, they, they are shocked at the fact that it talks, which, uh, <laughs> I think is hilarious, actually, like, you know, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, like, beavers you know, can't talk. talk. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, they end up with, with, with the beaver, Edmund actually drops, you know, drops to the witch and says that, you know, that's where they are, they are hiding. Yeah. And then, the, by the way, I 
love the fact that uh, it's the wolves who are basically like you know the uh, the enforcers, if you will, of like the, you know the, the the white witch's will. By the way, uh, a lot of like you know um, Arctic animals are like uh, you know uh, you know they, they, they do a good job of like you know saying oh yeah she's like you know moved around like these massive polar bears and like you know or she's like uh, you know these reindeer basically you know kind of you know take her around and everything like everything is like all like you it know, makes winter, a lot of sense you know, considering that it has been winter for a hundred years mm -hmm. and you can see why there's polar bears, there's reindeer, and all of these animals that would fit in. Exactly. So, uh, it's good that they basically, you know, garnished, you know, the, uh, the white witch with, like, you, it wouldn't make any sense, like, just give her, giving her, like, random, you know, like, demonic animals or anything like that, you know, like, it, 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 I think the fact that it's, uh, it's aesthetically presented in this way, I think, is probably, you know, that, that's how you make a villain who, and uh, you give her, like, an intimidating theme, you know, when you're putting, like, intimidating animals that can survive the cold. So, yeah, exactly. exactly, yeah. And I, I would say that uh, out of all the villains that we've seen in this retrospective, again, we have the, we have Smaug and the dragons from The Hobbit. We had um, King Haggard from The Last Unicorn. And then we had the goblins and Prince Froglip. And, you know, out of all of them, the White Witch is hands down the most intimidating. She's the most cunning. She's the most strategic. And she is hands down the best acted. Exactly. I think uh, she's probably the best out of all the four that we've seen so far. I, I mean, to be quite honest, out of I mean everything music cinematography acting is all the best and it's kind of not fair considering that this is the only live action movie we've covered in this retrospective yeah which is uh, when you well mind you like um that kind of goes to go into animated movies because you know it's not hard to animate something intimidating, is it? Like look at look at Jafar from like Aladdin, like you know when he turns into that giant snake, like you can't tell me that's not intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that when we saw the progression of where and you know like fantasy films were at the time around the two thousands, they pretty much perfected it. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, mind you, I think uh, I think it wasn't until they found out you could actually kind of get away with some of the stuff, you know, against like you know the three boot, you know, copy uh, <laughs> from you know the last movie that we watched. But uh, I mean, I think it wasn't until then that you know they could decide you know where's the where's over the line where's under the line and where basically can you can you do this with a villain exactly and I think yeah they and i think they eventually found it with basically you know the white witch here in narnia yeah so. and and i think that you know that when it comes to like the progression of the story you have you know you have peter you have Susie, uh, susan and lucy you know they start off from going into the forest and then slowly but surely everything starts to melt because you know they're starting to slowly fulfill the prophecy and also aslan is arriving mm -hmm. So, um, it looks like there's going to be a massive war from the looks of it because uh, a lot of people are sick and tired of, like, you know, the, uh, the the White Witch basically ruling everything. So, uh, there is, like, a massive resistance of, like, all other animals that have ever... By the way, the way that they, in they intelligently pick all these uh, creatures, basically, because these are creatures that don't typically survive in the cold, except, you know, some of them maybe the more... Like, maybe, maybe the centaurs, maybe they probably will survive the cold. But, yeah, the, uh, the centaurs yeah. would definitely survive the cold. But everything else, like, you know, I mean, beavers would most likely be hibernating and, mm -hmm. you know, foxes would be basically be like uh changing its yeah, and code and cheetahs definitely would not be anywhere in the no, cold no cheetahs I mean, and tigers not yeah exactly not. not so i think uh, so uh it's uh, i like how imaginative it all is like uh, when they they put all these people together to ready for war like these are i mean i mean i don't know like you know cheetahs and tigers are more kind of like you know chasing after prey and things like that they're not like war machines by any chance of the imagination but even then when you put them in a battlefield like you know, you're racing them towards like you know with other things like is the, if you're looking at that and you're thinking like good grief what would i want to do like you know crush to death 
by a centaur, or like you know, be you're hacked and sliced to death by by, by a leopard or, an, or a tiger or something like that. Like you know, it's yeah. like, the, there's not any good choices there <laughs> when you're when you're in front of all of that. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it does make a lot of sense why the kids will be really hesitant of it because they had just literally escaped from a war that is going on, and now they have to fight a war just so that they can be able to save Edmund. Yeah, if it was kids today, it'd be Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, anyway, why we digress? Anyway, uh, so, so um, well, I think in regards to like how the the acts all kind of like you know come together. So you got the first act where basically the kids first go to Narnia. You got the second act where you know they're preparing for the war, and then you got the third act which is the war itself. And yep. so you know, in regards to how the story flows, like it flows, I would say a lot better than some of the other movies that we've watched. Yeah, like um, Hobbit was too fast considering that it was a large book, but they had to cram it in either with like songs. Or just with, you know, abridging the story. Yeah. You had The Last Unicorn, which was slow. Very slow. And then you had The Princess and the Goblin, in which... It started off promisingly, but then it just fell apart because it was just relying on its cliches. Yeah. One of the things to pick up on as well, like, uh, you know, we were talking about the villain before, like, you know, King Hargot's basically the opposite end of, like, you know, the, the spectrum in regards to the villain, isn't it? Like, you know, he's like, he says, I'm sad because, you know, unicorns don't make me smile, you know, that oh, that's make me smile anymore, and mm. like, things like that. Well, you got the evil witch, he's kind of like, you know, well, I don't want to make it, you know, I don't want them to make me th- things that make me smile. I want to turn everything into, into, into statues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to make everything cool. Cold. I want to take over everything. I want everyone to fear me. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, you know I, I think in regards to our characters, and I think in regards to our scenery, and I think in regards to the the overall how the the movie is put together, it's far better put together. I think I would say than some of the other ones that we watched. Oh but, yeah. I mean, I guess that's not very fair to say in regards to everything else we watched because you know it's taken decades of perfection. I think you could say to get to this point in regards to fantasy movies. Yeah, and also so. the fact that we already had a foundation that was already previously established with Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Exactly, yeah. So, um, we get to the final act, and so, I mean, before then... Yeah, obviously before we, we, then, we, we have to talk yeah. about um, what Aslan did to save Edmund. So, basically, um, the, funny enough, like, it's... Uh, I keep forgetting about this part of this movie, and it was still pretty shocking when I saw it, and that is that, uh, you know, the evil... Qu- you know, the... The, uh, um, the White Witch. The, the White Witch. I don't know why I call her the Evil Queen. The, the White Witch um, comes in and basically just walks through through like the enemy camp like and nobody would dare go near her or anything like that so like uh, she just walks in good uh, you know asked to speak to, you know to Aslan and says you know I want my tra- you know I want my boy back so I can kill him on the stone table yeah yeah which you know he's pretty intimidating in itself so Aslan says uh, okay well you know we'll talk this out alone and so everyone is kind of like uh, you know what I would love to have seen more in that movie though because keep in mind like uh, some of the the white witches uh, you know army were there escorting her and then some of the all the people were there. It, one thing that would be interesting in that whole quiet would be like, you know, oh well, you know, the army's over there and their army's over here, and like maybe they can like kind of like, kind of like stare each other down or like have like a, you know, have a gaze off or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, nothing kind of like happens. It's kind of like they're just there. I mean, they can't really do anything because they all start fighting. Then obviously the evil queen's gonna, you know, the, sorry, the evil queen, uh, the white witch, and Aslan are gonna come out and basically just you know stop and stop someone will stop it. But so, so they have respect in those regards, and so but it, like it'd be a very intimidating atmosphere. It's kind of like. Uh, um, it'd be kind of like, you know, when, uh, in Spider-Man, when Peter Parker ends up with, um, with, uh, with, uh, I think it's Osborn, uh, coming over to their house and, like, they have, like, a meal with, uh, you know, with, 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 uh, with his aunt and, like, with him in there. And, and uh, then, like, but, you know, he can't, 
he can't attack Osborne because that would break her, you know, uh, Peter Parker's aunt's, you know, heart, Aunt May's heart if he if he did that. But at the same time, you know, they uh, have to be viewing Sybil. Yeah, especially yeah. And, and especially since this was at the point in which when Osborne had discovered that he was Peter right, Parker. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it kind of plays out like I would like to have seen that probably been, been maybe expanded on really like you know the the two opposing armies are kind of like just staring each other down, like you know, just kind of feeling each other out, if you will. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But then. Obviously, they both come out anyway, and uh, then uh, it's decided that Edmund will be spared, and uh, so, and then the Queen says, "Well, are you going to keep your promises?" Like uh, then he, he ends up you know roaring right at Masley Aslan. And by the way, the the uh, the White Witch is intimidated by Aslan. So, oh yeah, like, I uh, mean, which, which is in, well, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know how to feel about that because the fact that she had the gall to, like, you know, say, "Okay, I want to speak with you in private." And, well, I mean, uh, that's not too much of a surprise at all because going into again the Jesus parallel, there's two instances in which it happened in the Book of Job. Satan approached God, saying, "You have um, a person named Job who, you know, is like perfect in every way. He has his land, he has his family, he has his oxen, he has his money, he has everything. I bet he would." curse you if you took it all away from him and he said okay let's do it but you can do anything you want with him you will just not harm him you can harm him if you decide to make him sick but he will not die mm. and so it showed off that job was really loyal to god a second attempt was back in the book of matthew in which when satan had tempted jesus when he was wandering in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights with no food and no water and then satan approached him three times and tempted him saying turn these stones into bread and you know bow down before me and i will have everybody follow you jump off there and the angels will grab you and then jesus saying that it is a sin to tempt me so this is not too much of a surprise at all yeah so um you know it's one of these uh you know most versed in bible (laughs) (laughs) but um Uh, there's another one but we'll get to that yeah yeah exactly but uh so um the the deal is made that uh you know aslan sneaks off in in the middle of the night and all the all the kids are wondering what's going on so um you know laura and sorry lucy and susan yeah lucy and susan yeah uh, you know, go out to uh, follow him and uh, he says oh please accompany me in my, in my time of need and so that they do that and then uh, Aslan says okay we have to stop here and then uh, and then please farewell so uh, but uh, they don't they don't you know they don't do that basically they wander to the side and wonder what's going on and uh, Aslan is basically being sacrificed on the stone table yeah he yeah. is it's it's very similar to when you know Jesus sacrificed himself over on the crucifix so that he can save people from their sins yeah and uh, I guess you could say that him being shaved I guess is probably the uh, you know the crown the, of thorns. The, the, the crown of thorns, and so that there was that, and uh, so and they bound him, put him on the stone table, and uh, then uh, the, uh, the the white witch kills him. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, mind you, it's like it's even though you don't actually see it, it's a pretty brutal execution. It like is. it's just like you can just even though you can't see, you can definitely know where that knife has gone. That, oh yeah, yeah right straight into his heart. Yeah. and you know, not only that, but she humiliates him. She shaves off his mane. She ties up and maims him and puts him on the stone temple and says yeah i have you now and Mm -hmm. so then she stabs him into the heart and then leaves him on the stone temple to rot yeah so um after all that has happened like there was just this kind of eerie silence of this stone table with this you know this dead aslan lamp on top of it yeah and so um you know lucy and susan you can probably imagine they're incredibly upset they are and uh, by the way um you know uh, the, then these mice turn up and like start trying to cut away like the binds and uh, you know susan thinks it's like you know them disrespecting no get off and everything like that but uh, no it's like trying to get them off so um oh by the way you know lucy at one point actually pulls out the uh, the bottle 
bottle to United to say, oh, maybe I can try and do something about it. But he said, no, it's far too late now. Yeah. So I guess we forgot to mention that. So um, the gentleman who decides to give them their Christmas gifts, I guess. He's Santa? I, 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 I think it's implied he is Father Christmas. Yeah, but Father what, Christmas. But yeah. whether, I don't know why they didn't refer, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, is it like copyright issues? Like, you know, I who, have no idea. Imagine, who, was, who was the copyright to Santa Claus? <laughs> I don't know. Coca-Cola? Maybe it is Coca-Cola. <laughs> Cola days are coming. <laughs> Imagine if like they did that and like uh, it's like it's like they come up out of the cave and like it's just like this is a big red truck and like it's just like you got a Santa Claus coming out of like this this eighteen wheeler. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. That would be great. So yeah, yeah so um yeah, Father Christmas essentially gave all of well, he gave the first three the gifts. So he gave Lucy a uh, a red potion made out of a red flower that is supposed to heal any injury and mm-hmm. a dagger. Mm-hmm. He gave Lucy um, a bow and arrow and a horn to call for help, and he gave Edmund a sword and a shield. Yeah. So uh, as for like, um, well, Ed- actually, he didn't uh, give Edmund that initially. Like, uh, uh, not uh, initially, but yeah. Peter, he gave him the the, the, the sword. Yeah, yeah the, the sword and the shield. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. So, um, it, it, so basically, they have all, all of that now, and uh, you know, it's like, uh, well, I'm sure there's a lot of kids wondering, like, you know, why does Santa Claus give me weapons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they have a water fight. Yeah, you know, we're Joey. There you but, go. Yeah, yeah so, I, I, again, so, um, you know, Lucy and Susan, they are staying at Aslan and the stone, um, you know, table at the night. And in the meanwhile, there's a preparation of this battle that's happening. And yeah. so you got this. By the way, I, I, I was uh, in the dark light. Like, I really liked the general character, like, uh, you know, like, uh, who was the, uh, oh, what, what creature was he? Was, uh, Centaur. Centaur. No, 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 not the, not the one on the, on the, on the, the uh the the white witch's side oh uh, you're yeah, talking the, about the minotaur. The, the, the minotaur yeah so like he yeah in the dark he looked really cool and intimidating but then when he got into the light he looked like a power rangers villain <laughs> like I, I just yeah i thought like uh, you know they should have like done a bit more design work i think on him like, yeah like the, the ones in god of war are really intimidating they're huge first of all and exactly, they have like yeah. these massive axes and spears yeah maybe i wasn't paying attention too much to the army but i mean like uh, they had all these giants as well yeah but, they had uh, giants they had trolls yeah well, you, you know I don't think they even. I don't think the giants made it all. Like I don't think we actually saw them. Actually, like you know, they only from, had like four or five. Yeah, like it was. Uh, and you haven't seen them, like taken down or like you know, actually do anything like you know massively intimidating. None either. Yeah, not like, really. You know, I mean, you saw. I don't think like, it was cut for time. I don't know. But, I mean, uh, I have no idea. I mean, we just saw mostly like the minotaurs who are doing most of the fighting. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, they had other creatures as well that were like yeah, you know, like, they, like they, the, they, they had a lot of dark creatures in all. Oh this, yeah, you know, like, like the, you know. the trolls, and you had the uh, cyclops. Yeah, mm. there was a lot of them. Yeah. So, um, we get to the point where um, they, they are aware that Edmund's obviously in the in the clutches of the, or the manager, they've been aware of that for a while, and so then they send off, uh, well, by, before they did that, um, these uh, wolves come over to try and intimidate, you know, uh, Lucy and uh, Susan, and uh, then Peter comes in to, uh, you know, protect them all, and then ends up, you know, killing one of the wolves, and then ends up becoming a knight because of it. So, like, because he struck the first bound, which I think uh, was, was pretty cool in itself. Yeah. Uh, so, um, that uh, then you know going back to uh, you know to the stone table and uh, so um, you know they're all upset that so then but then they realize they got to go and uh, you know to uh, to help out and so they they go away but then the stone table breaks and Aslan is gone 
And uh, I believe that's also represents the, represents the resurrection. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, that is probably hands down the biggest one in which when, you know, uh, when Jesus passed away and, you know, he was inside of the tomb uh, shortly after when he was res- resurrected, you know, the it, you know his, his tomb cracked and he was able to set himself free. So, yeah, I, I think that that was, again, a really nice parallel. And it just so happens that, you yeah. know, Susan and Lucy were there to see it, where in the Bible, Mary Magdalene was the very first one who saw Jesus while he was alive yeah so but uh, i mean in regards to like this particular resurrection this resurrection wasn't because of like you know to free everyone from sin i mean no no no, no, this isn't the context in in this movie no it's not the uh the idea is is that aslan uh was resurrected because um you know the uh the witch you know should not have killed aslan on that table and so like uh, that's uh, that basically for according to the dark magic is a gimme the stone table breaks and then exactly yeah according to what the um ancient magic or whatever says it's like um you Mm. basically are not killed if you have never committed treason if you are able to take the side of another traitor you will you know death will be um set backwards yeah so um you know that's the only thing thinking uh i mean i'm sure in other movies i'm sure it's more well explained like you know the dark magic and like all the other how how the magic law works i guess in this world so uh, i I think that's one thing that kind of goes a little bit against the movie like i think the world is not all that much explained of like you know how stuff came to be and things like that like you know it was uh normally in uh in movies like this you would probably start off with that yeah you you uh, do start off with that and yeah. Here's the thing. But yeah, though, like the Lord of the Rings came out before the Hobbit, so exactly like, you know, yeah, right. So. I, I mean, you also have to remember that you know, very similar to like Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, this is the second book after Magician's Nephew where they actually explained what Narnia was. So, mm. you know, all that world building was already established before, but you know, that movie adaptation never happened. Exactly. So for a lot of people, this was their very first time knowing about Narnia, unless of course they read the books. Yeah. So um, we're starting to get to the war now, and uh, so um, you know. People Peter leads his his troops into battle, and uh, the uh, the white witch obviously looks. You know, she's got the polar bears out, and like you know, has got this massive chariot and everything like that. And uh, it's a pretty intimidating, you know, uh, presence. Yeah, and also a nice little touch is that she actually wears, you know, the mane of Aslan as part of her outfit. Actually, I, I forgot that actually. Good yeah. grief! Yeah, actually, I went out. What's about that? I can't if we uh, you know we ever revisit it. But mm-hmm. uh, so um, this battle goes on, and uh, they actually I like the fact that you know it's not just like oh let's all roar in and let's just have like a massive scrap like you know they there's tactics involved which i think is really well thought out so instead they do aerial bombardment so like they just bomb all these these uh these evil creatures with rocks <laughs> and everything like everything everyone's just gonna get hit well everyone's getting stoned in you know in, in another sense or another, another sense that probably other people think. <laughs> but, but uh, you know like uh, so um then um during the battle they decide to change tactics because obviously they've got the numbers against them and so so instead of like fighting them like just squarely on the battlefield, they lure them into the rockery and where they can set up an ambush, and then basically they can just pelt them with like all all like other stuff and fight yeah. them in narrow corridors. So I mean, there's good there's good you know war tactics actually put into this. This was thought out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as opposed to like in the Hobbit, in which like we have this big army, um, you know, this big battle with the three armies. Oh wait. 
uh, the goblins are the enemies the entire time. Let's go kill them. And yeah. we never see it. Exactly. Or how about in uh, Princess and the Goblin, in which, like, oh, you just stomp on their feet and then you just defeat them really easily. And that was pretty much it. Yeah, which, uh, by the way, in the, one thing we actually left out in the explaining in that, uh, in the Princess and the Goblin, was that uh, they didn't actually explain how they came to know all this stuff, you know, prior. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I don't know. It, it wouldn't make sense if, like, okay, we passed all that down from generation to generation. Okay, that makes sense. Sure. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, but anyway, we're not talking about that movie. Talking about Narnia. Yeah. Uh, so um, w- uh, we get to the point where you know Edmund is going to go through his redemption. Like you know, Peter tells him you know, to run and take the take the you know take his uh, siblings and get out of there. Like you know, because it's all falling apart. And he needs to stay behind. But as you can see, that Peter is not doing very well by himself, and Edmund realizes this. So he jumps down and smashes the wand, and obviously we, he gets stabbed because of it. Mm-hmm. So like uh, you know, he he gets his heroic moment, and uh, but uh, then um, when it all looks like it's uh, it's all going to go pear shaped. Aslan comes into the scene and uh, you know ends up taking some more warriors with him, and then they had maybe more of a battle. And uh, you know Aslan saves um, Peter from you know you know from death, and uh, ends up. And by the way, the uh, the witch in this movie gets a pretty grisly death. Yeah, like she is eaten. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, she's not. She's she's mauled. Well, think, yeah, yeah, she's mauled and well, yeah. the, the body's gone. I mean, where do you explain that? Um, I don't know actually. Maybe, maybe if you look at the, how it was, how it, the camera was positioned, it was positioned behind some rocks, so maybe it was like to hide the body of like you know. I guess that's it? fair. Yeah. yeah, which uh, I mean, like I don't think we want to see like a mutilated kind of you know, witch. <laughs> yeah, especially since it was PG. Exactly. Well, yeah. So uh, I think uh, you know they were pretty. You know, also there was tobacco references in this movie as well, and also there was uh, you know the fact that we saw you know Aslan lay dead up on that stone table. You would have thought that. Was pushed it to a 12 at least but you know yeah. or 12a at least you know like uh, yeah well, i mean i mean for uh, here in america uh to push it to a pg-13 you had to have blood and you had to have cursing and a whole bunch of other things but yeah. they kept it just enough for it to pass in the pg rating mm-hmm. which it deserves by the way because a lot of people say that pg you know the purpose of it is that they're able to get a lot more away than just a regular g rating it's like g rating is like you know the simple stuff that you would see in a lot of family entertainment, but the PG is just pushing it a little bit far enough that it doesn't go into a PG thirteen, like All Dogs Go to Heaven, or a lot of the um, the you know, films you know, from the eighties. You know, Samuel Jackson's basically saying, "I've had it with these uh, mother effing witches in this mother effing fantasy world. Everybody strap it and break up with some windows." <laughs> Yes. Oh man! Like um, so, all the Owl House fans are probably listening to this. I think they probably know what they're laughing at because I made a reference to that recently with Owl House. So. Okay, fair enough. Okay, uh, so um, then we get to the end of the movie, and uh, you know Edmund is you know, di- you know we get the I, I I don't feel anything in these moments anymore. You know, like oh, one of the characters is dead, like uh, and we think that he's dead, and everyone's like, well, they're crying over him, and then you know, obviously someone comes up with like, a potion to like you know bring them back to life, and then he's like, I mean, he comes back to life and yay like i don't know like it's been done so many times now like it's just it's uh, i'm really surprised movies aren't making fun of that cliche now i'm sure that they are but yeah. we just haven't found it yet probably not probably it's an epic movie somewhere i don't know <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, yeah but um so Edmund is revived and uh, everyone like you know has reconciles and like hey we've won the war and everything and mm-hmm. so and then um because of that they uh, all become kings and queens of Narnia yeah so oh. they all have like their own little sections so it's like you know um 
what was it, like, Lucy gets the eastern part of the sea, Edmund gets the western part of the woods, um, we have Lucy, uh, what was it, like, Susan gets the southern part, and Peter gets the northern part, and then they're all given, like, names, it's like, Lucy is, like, you know, um, you know, she's, like, the, you know, she's the queen, and, uh, I forget which one it was, like, uh, I think it was... Well, I think, uh, Peter was the magnificent, yeah, Peter uh, was the magnificent. Edmund was the just, and... Susan uh, was the gentle. Gentle, and Lucy was, um... Prophet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, she was. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, um... <laughs> We're sorry, everybody. We've been doing this all day. <laughs> We're at that point, pretty much. Yeah. And so, but uh, you know, like, and also one thing that they do, and that is also in the books as well. They show that they don't really show them, like, you know, going, you know, growing up in Narnia. Like, uh, they just cut to the fact that you know they're chasing a stag through, you know, the uh, through the woods or anything like that. Which you would have thought, like, you know, oh hey, we would have like uh, shown like a bit of a montage of them, like you know, maturing into like being the leaders that they are now. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I guess because they had to cut it for time because it was Maybe. almost reaching the two-hour mark oh yeah exactly so um edmund rediscovers the uh the the uh the the, the light pole mm-hmm. and uh, with the with the uh, the candles in there and uh, then he finds the uh he finds the other end of the uh the wardrobe again and they go back through the wardrobe and uh, they are back to his young children yeah. yeah i guess we need to talk about that because it's established like much earlier on when lucy was playing hide and seek that you know she was gone from you know with mr tumnus for hours when in reality she was only gone for like a few seconds exactly so time obviously goes very still in in that uh, in that in that environment it doesn't actually even move at all because when they get back the professor's there with a cricket ball that's uh, got thrown through the window yeah it's only been like five minutes it's only until prince caspian in which you know about how much time is passed between like for them it's like one year had passed since they've been inside of the wardrobe in narnia and then in reality it was hundreds of years since they've been gone Mm -hmm. so yeah time Time goes like who knows how it works to be quite honest. Yeah. So um, they then get back to uh, the, uh, the the new world, and the professor says, you know, uh, he, you know, they they don't believe uh, that the professor is going to like you know believe everything that they say. And then he ends the, the the movie. Try me, and then we get to the credits. Yeah. And uh, that's also another kind of like thing that you know movies now kind of do. And don't, be, don't get me wrong. Like anime's been doing that this for doing this for a while. Where it's kind of like you know where uh, they'll end on like you know a small like little word, and then after that credits, you know, yeah. like it, it's a, it's uh, something that so uh, you know. Uh, seems to happen in more modern movies now. Yeah, exactly. And then, very similar to modern movies, we have to have an after credit scene. Yeah, so um, Lucy tries to go back through the through the wardrobe, but is unsuccessful, and the, and the professor says, oh, you won't go through there anymore, I've already tried. And uh, so, and it, the professor basically says, you'll be called upon when, when need be. Yeah, and um, also, yeah. you know, he said something very important, was that you can only go in when you're not looking for Narnia, which is mm. true, by the way, because the first time that Lucy went inside of, uh, you know, Narnia was when she was trying to play hide-and-seek. And when Edmund was trying to find Lucy, um, you know, inside of the closet when she was, like, entering in, that was another instance in which he wasn't looking for Narnia, he was looking for Lucy. And then you have all four of them trying to go inside of the wardrobe to hide away from the housekeeper who was upset because, you know, um, Edmund had broken the window 
and had destroyed the knight that belonged to the professor. So, yeah. but, but babe, I think uh, in this movie, there's a different it's a different adaptation. You can only find Narnia if uh, the current adventure makes seven hundred million dollars at the box office. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. Make it up money, and then we'll go back to Narnia again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlike in Princess and the Goblin, in which like, oh, do we get to see the adventures of Princess Irene and Curdy? It's like, nope, nope. Yeah, but you know, don't rule again. Like I say, don't rule it out. Like you know, where uh, there's uh, Hollywood's run out of ideas at this point. So, I like, guess you know, that's I, true. You know, they, 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 that idea is still outstanding. Yeah, so. and, and yeah, this will be the first of a trilogy of movies that would come out with Narnia. But unlike, unfortunately, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. It's incomplete because Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out at the wrong place at the wrong time. Exactly, and uh, there's uh, also you know the, you know the fourth Narnia movie is constantly rumored, but you know again like the Austin Powers fourth movie, it never seems to kind of happen. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, there was rumors for the longest time that Magician's Nephew was going to be like their next adaptation because oh we need to have a prequel, but unfortunately that never happened. I mean, you know, the, first of all, I mean this was around the time in which when the fantasy craze was over, it was done yeah, for. Exactly. I mean, it would already been drained dry because everything else that came out afterwards was just pretty mediocre. I think when it gets to the point where Matt Grain basically has to make, you know, a Simpson-esque kind of like, you know, fantasy, you know, you know, series out of that. Do you remember that? Like, oh, uh, you're, you're not talking about Disenchantment, are you? I think you? Disenchantment, yeah. Oh, like okay. It. That's, that. yeah, that came out recently though. Yeah, it did. So, you know, I think when the fact that, you know, when uh, people are like bringing out like, you know, these kind of like parody kind of like shows like, you know, like, I'm still waiting for, uh, what's his face, you know, uh, uh um, who created Family Guy? Seth, <laughs> Seth MacFarlane. Okay, Seth MacFarlane. I was always for Seth MacFarlane to like, do like a Family Guy version of like, you know, oh, here's these fantasy creatures. In fact, in fact I even go further than that. You know, uh, look at Disney Look at Disney Pixar's Onward. Like, you know, uh, that in itself was kind of making fun of like, you know, the fantasy trope. Yeah, it was. Much, Basically, yeah. it's just saying like, oh, we don't need magic anymore. We have technology. Exactly. And so like, uh, and, you know, like, uh, I mean, that wasn't executed as well as it probably could have been. And also, I think it came out a couple of years too late, but that, that's just me. Yeah, so. I, I think that you know around the you know the, the, I guess maybe fantasy was just like shifted into a new direction because you know around the same time that Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out Adventure Time came out mm -hmm. and Adventure Time was able to revitalize fantasy in a completely different way because the creator of Adventure Time Pendleton Ward was a huge fan of Dungeons and Dragons and he was a huge fan of other animation stuff and so he took his love of final of, of um, Dungeons and Dragons and just basically just did a new spin on it and a new twist that made it like really unique and fascinating. Yeah, it's just it's uh, it's kind of sad really because it feels like I mean don't get me wrong like you know fantasy stuff can still work. I mean we've been we, if you've been listening to Aaron and Patricia like on our other podcast you know we talk about Amphibia and uh, on the Owl House you constantly. Oh yeah, but, yeah. I mean like but those are obviously series rather than actually you know like movies. Yeah, and movies. Stuff, yeah. yeah, I mean uh, nowadays I think more people are like when they think of fantasy they're tuning into like Dungeons and Dragons playthroughs where people are just constantly you know, having like their own D&D &D campaigns and, you know, even to the point in which Vox Machina is actually an animated series based off of Critical Role's own Dungeons and Dragons playthrough. Yeah. That has gotten to the point in which that fantasy animated series are becoming popular, but not so much as fantasy movies, at least yeah. not anymore. I think I think what will happen is, I think uh, maybe it's, it's kind of like, you know, uh, 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 some movies, I think that will, you know, were around at that in the two thousands maybe in the 2010s i think it needs to like you know it'll need to take a bit of a break and then i think eventually somewhere down the line i think we'll see the next big epic i, I guess think. that's true i mean at some point i mean there can only be so many superhero movies am i right exactly yeah
yeah. So like, uh, eventually they'll get bored of Marvel. Eventually they want to do something else. But yeah, or maybe you know Marvel will get into the point in which like you know the movies are not as good as it used to be, and then one movie comes out becomes an instant hit, and then they're off to do that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, I mean, I made that joke about making it over seven hundred million dollars at the box office because that's true. It did, it did make a phenomenal amount of money. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, you know, the second movie came out only did half of that. Yeah, and like I said before, because there were some changes to the book that basically like removed a lot of the Christian elements and tried to make it more of a mass appeal. It's like let's add more action scenes, let's add more battle scenes, let's twi- tweak the story around a little they, bit. They, the- they, they literally took the soul out of the movie, and it yes. did not do as well. Yeah, they basically took the soul just so that they can be able to put action stuff for the mainstream. It's yeah, like... That just, that just doesn't work. Like, you don't you know, do that. You do not do that. You, you, when, you, when you take away, like, you know, elements for the sake of just saying, you know, like, oh, let's have a beef. If you want to do a beefy action movie, like, just hit up, you know, Sylvester Stallone. I'm sure he'll make you another, you know, expendable sequel. You know, <laughs> the abundance of expendable sequels that are out there. But, uh, you know, but in regards to, um, you know, um, yeah, how, how you handle Narnia, like, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, it's been structured around a particular theme, a particular structure, and, you know, you don't, you know, suddenly rip that out because you want, you know, more, you know, shooty, shooty, bang, bang, or anything like that, you know? Like, or, or stabby, stabby, stabby kill, stabby, kill, kill, kill. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, uh, again, like, uh, so, um, unfortunately, I mean, dare I say, like, um, you know, there was one, you know, particular types of movies that we were thinking of doing where, you know, like, uh, where, you know, the only, like, one movie out of the trilogy was, like, you know, the best one. I was thinking, like, probably doing that somewhere down the line, but... Yeah, uh, we, we are yeah. thinking about doing that, but that's, like, much later, yeah, later on. on. Yeah, but, uh, you know, like, uh, I think Narnia, I think, uh, you know, unless I'm mistaken, like, you know, the first one was the good one, the second one wasn't so great, and then I think the third one, I think, basically just kind of, like... It, yeah, it, it killed just, it. It killed it, yeah. Exactly, so, uh, unfortunately, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, this was the opportunity for Disney to have their own, you know, fantasy genre, because, as we mentioned before, this was when New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers, they already were at the peak of it, and Disney was trying to find something to stay afloat, yeah. because their animated movies were not doing very well. No. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, I mean, once again, you know, they just came at the wrong place at the wrong time. They just struck it too late. Yeah. Well, I think maybe it's time we scored this thing. All so, right, then. Uh, okay, so um, I'm going to give Narnia, I think... Um, an 8.5. I think I think 8.5 I think is a fair score. I think, I think it is Narnia. a fair score too because there's a lot of fantastic things about this movie. But um, at the same time, there's some things that, you know, it could have been done better, I would say. But mm. you know what? I mean, out of all of them, if you were to say out of the movies that we talked about throughout this retrospective, this is the one that I would go to first immediately. Exactly. Right, everybody. Well, um, that comes to the end of Fantasy Month for Insurgents of the Crystal Skull. So uh, we will be making an announcement of what our next month is going to be very soon. And so, but until then, um, thanks everyone for tuning in this month and uh, take care and bye-bye for now. See you later.